I just sense this Holy Spirit here today. I hope you can too. Just as I was praying and Roslyn was uh, playing, I was praying and she was playing. It was uh, just, just the Spirit of God. Sometimes the Spirit of God comes so strong that I don't know if you guys have ever had this where you can't talk straight a little bit. So that's happened to me a few times. Just feeling um, a good sense of the Holy Spirit right now. Yeah, and I want that for all of you. I encourage you to, um, I know um, we were going to have a meal together after service. It was scheduled for today, but then Linda had not been well, and now she's on the mend, and so we're going to reschedule that at some point. Uh, but I, I really think those are great opportunities to invite people to church. Um, Deborah invited her mom and then singled her out, so we'll single her out again. Thank you for coming. We're going to continue to try to make those opportunities, but next week's a great opportunity, too. We'll have communion next week. It's the first of the month, uh, and so it's a wonderful opportunity to come together and have communion as well. Oh, there is a little snack for after. A tiny little snack. So don't, don't eat all of it because it, or it won't spread around. All right. That's all right. Someone can have my portion. Uh, it's not a feast. <laughs> all right. So there's something that you can have. And there's always coffee. So if you like coffee, you can always have coffee. Oh, this creamer. That's Pastor Thomas's issue. I take it out of the fridge too often, and then it sits out on my desk, and then I put it back. It's my fault. Uh, all right to the word. I know you guys are hungry. For, I hope you're hungry for the word. Uh, we should be hungry for the word. Uh, it's Lent, right? And uh, during Lent, we often fast. And one of the purposes of fasting is that we start getting hungry, right? With, if it's food, if you, you specifically give up the purpose of food, it's so that you grow a hunger. Well, it, what we're doing in the, in the physical, we want it to kind of reciprocate into the spiritual. And so when you give up, and you might not give up food, but you might give up something else. And, and whatever you give up, it's to develop the spiritual appetite that you want more of God's word. Last week, we talked about sowing seeds and reaping a harvest. This week, we're going to talk about our words. And um, I was... As I was meditating upon the passage that I was going to preach today in Proverbs chapter 12, uh, 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 it's interesting how our minds work, right? You, things from your childhood come up. As you, like Our brains are so interesting in, in the fact that they can store so many memories, um, especially when they're like little rhymes or tunes. Like um, this morning, Tessa was singing to me um, a song in French because she's in French immersion, so she was singing... Um, uh, comment ça va, mes amis? Comment ça va? Ça va bien, ça va mal? She'll probably remember this for the rest of her uh, life. Like, I remember, um, um, uh, un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, violette, violette, un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, violette, bicyclette. You guys ever, anybody? No? That was me. Uh, Ian? Yeah, Joshua. There we have some people who learned that in French immersion. Amy Beth? There you go. So those songs, like, why do I remember that? I was probably my Tessa's age, four years old, learning this in kindergarten. Why? So I can learn the color purple and a bicycle in French. You know, those things taught me. So, but, so words have this power in us. They get like filed in a, like a filing cabinet here. And we don't use them for like 30 something years. And then they'll come up again. And um, here's another one that came up as I was meditating on God's word. It was this, and I don't believe that there's full truth in this, but there's partial truth. And I'll explain that in a second. The saying was, um, sticks and stones will break my bones, 
but words will never hurt me. Now, you, you think about that for a second. And so I, this, this came to my mind as I was reading the scripture because it's about the words. It's about the power of words. And I was thinking about how there, that's not true. And your parents and the teachers in school, when people say harsh things, tell you that's not true. You know, you can say that all you want. You can tell a bully all you want. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And, and maybe that empowers them to just say even more nasty and mean things. And that's not good either because we know that, um, we know that there's things that do get filed away in our brain and those things will last forever. I mean, I talked to some of you and it's whether your own childhood or your children's childhood, these things, they rest and they form people's lives. We knew a, 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 an adult who was in her late forties who was called miserable as a child. And she didn't break that word curse off of her until she was in her late forties. And she just remembered that her sister called her mother miserable. And it just took her that long. So words do stick. Words do hurt. Now, hold on a second though. Um, I think that as Christians, we have this power. And it's interesting that, Deborah, you chose the verse you chose to share with the kids today because I believe that that is true as well. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And the same lady who had this mother miserable pronounced over her, she was able to break that curse. She was able to be free from those words. And even though we as Christians believe that words are powerful, I also believe that we can break the curse of words off of us in a way sticks and stones can break my bones and words, they don't have power over me if, if I know my savior who can break those words off of me, who can set me free. I have to take every thought captive as the Bible says, I have to take those words. So if you can think about the words that have been spoken over you, Maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you feel ugly. Maybe you feel a little chubby. Maybe you feel those things and you're like, I got to not let those words permeate in my mind. I need to take them to the Lord and I need to be free from those. Those words don't define me. Who defines me? What Jesus, who Jesus says I am. We sing a song. I am who you say I am. You know, you remember that song? I, I love that. Maybe we'll sing that next week. Um, I am who you say I am, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. There you go. Good singing. Sorry I started so high. I always do that. So those words, they, they can be broken. Why? Because we apply the words of Christ. The words of Christ have way more power than the words of the words of the word. This is, okay, so I'm just going to teach a quick lesson that is an aside. This is not a part of the main message. This is an aside that is important, I think, because I know some of the ladies who are going through the Bible study were struggling with something um, this week, and I want you to learn this. And that's that as we go through the Proverbs, we recognize that the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament, and he is in the Old Testament in the form of wisdom and discernment. And in the New Testament, one of the gifts of the Spirit is the ability to discern. And so when you enter into, say, a small group, and there's a little bit of controversy that might enter into your group. It's interesting that the women were asking me some questions about their small group and the material they were studying. I'm also in a um, course right now for my psychology master's, and it's called group counseling. And when you're in a group, all kinds of ideas will be thrown at you. And we, as believers, cannot be afraid of ideas. I think in the past, 
Um, the church, if you look at church history, some people will accuse the church of being dogmatic, which means like that we're stuck in our ways, in our t- own teachings, or um, that, we're, that we um, can indoctrinate people, which means we, they have to stick to only our teachings. And I think in some ways, obviously doctrine matters and teachings matters, but in some ways the world is kind of right that if we do not allow for people to share their ideas then we can come across as closed-minded. And I don't think the Bible actually teaches that we're supposed to be that. I think we're supposed to pay close attention to our teachings. I think that words matter and the words that are being taught matter. However, we all are given the gift of discernment. And so we need to come together and say, what is God truly saying? And we need to compare if there's a teaching that maybe isn't specifically from the scripture, we need to compare it to God's word so that we can discern together what God's will is. And the Bible even tells us to come together and to test everything. And the Bereans were known for being people who came to God and searched the scriptures. The Bible says that the Bereans searched the scriptures diligently. And so that's who we want to be and we want to use discernment. And so as we come together and we read the word, we can't be afraid of what people say. Now, we don't want to be so open-minded that we allow the devil to come in either. And so that's where discernment comes and we have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's harder when it's in groups, right? Because there's many opinions, many different discernments. But I'll tell you one piece of advice that I have when you're doing discernment in a group, and it's the power of prayer. Often we'll have discussion, we'll have ideas. This is something they're not teaching me in my group counseling. They don't say, okay, it's time to stop and pray when there's a disagreement. They actually say the leader needs to take their role and shut down conversation and to step up. Well, kind of the same thing can apply in Christian groups. We need to stop and let the leader lead. Who's the leader? Well, if you're in a Christian small group, it shouldn't be the person who's leading the group. It should be Jesus. And sometimes the leader, even myself, has to say, I don't know. But we're going to trust Jesus to discern. Actually, just to encourage you, um, during COVID, the board read a book, Discerning God's Will Together. And I'd say the summary of that book, wouldn't you agree, Linda, the summary of that group is how to do this, to slow things down, to stop, and to pray. You probably like, Pastor, you made us read that 12-chapter book over an entire year, and you could have summarized it in one sentence? Yes. We need to stop. <laughs> we need to pray. We need to discern God's will together and come to some kind of agreement that this is what God's saying. That's the aside. But I think the aside is relevant to how words have power. Actually, um, James talks about this. James says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in our mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take a ship for as an example. Although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, 
a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it and is itself set on fire by hell. I'm going to keep reading this passage, but I want to just say this because it's in my mind right now, is how, if you don't think this is true and you don't ever regret something you say, you're not like me and you don't talk too much. You just keep your mouth quiet. And there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in that. But I'm going to tell you, it is so easy to say something you're going to regret. And the Proverbs is going to talk a little bit about this. All kinds of animals, verse 7, all kinds of animals, reptiles, and seas, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in the likeness, in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What's it saying there? It's saying that, hey, these things are made to do their specific thing in the same way our mouths are specifically made for uh, for blessing and they shouldn't be cursing. You know what I've recognized as I reflected on this this week? Sometimes I'm not even cursing other people. I'm cursing myself. One thing I caught myself saying this week to my kids is, shame on me, I say to my kids, you're driving me crazy. (laughs) Because I'm a little frustrated and they're being very loud and I have to focus. The worst is in the car. I often use that phrase in the car because I'm driving and something is happening in the back and I have to focus on the road. And so my attention's going and my emotions are going and I say that. And then I recognize, Thomas, you don't want to go crazy. If words have power, even so much that this woman we know, a friend of ours had been called mother miserable and then she was miserable up until that point until that curse got broken off of her. Why am I cursing myself? I'm going to go crazy if I keep repeating this phrase in my, even though it's a slip of the tongue, it's a, it's a, figure of speech or whatever you want to call it. Maybe my intentions aren't to go crazy, but the reality is words have power. I need to be careful what I say. And not only that I'm saying to myself, but my kids are listening to every word that I say. It's funny. We have kids, um, you know, we have five and they were born within one decade, right? Anna Claire is three and Joel is 13 now. So they are all born within a decade. So we have all the stages of life. And at each stage of life, I can see how words impact them differently. When they're like three, like Anna Claire, everything we say, she just repeats. She doesn't even know what we're saying. And she'll just repeat it. She'll repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Joel, he might not repeat anything I say, but he's absorbing everything. And, you know, I was encouraged this year. um, Some of he's on a hockey team. And they're, they're um, in the world, right? Secular kids. So they don't know how to tame their tongue. So um, they're at that age where cursing, you know, like little curse words um, uh, come out of their mouths. And uh, we were at a friend's house uh, from the team and their kids, son's on the team. And they said, well, we've never heard. Like it, the subject came up that the kids are starting to speak at ways the parents don't like them to speak. 
And I said, well, if you, if you hear Joel say anything like that, I'll get the bar of soap. I've, I know how these things work. I've been told the soap is for your mouth, right? Clean your mouth. And they said, well, we've never heard Joel say anything that would deserve that. And I was like, Phew. you know, but this is, this is where we're at though, because they are observing, we, absorbing the words and we need to be paying attention to what is being said. So with that, Let's look at Proverbs chapter 12. And one thing I think we'll see in Proverbs chapter 12 is, is, is some about these, the, it's not all about words, but there's these different, I, I want you to think about how words come from different directions. Because it's not just about words, it's about the people who you surround yourself with as well. Again, there's this contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Proverbs chapter 12, starting in verse one, says, whoever loves discipline, discipline loves knowledge but whoever hates correction is stupid. See, not all words that sound bad to us are bad to, for us. I'll say that again. Not every word that sounds bad to us are, is, or are bad for us. Sometimes we don't like hearing correction. We get defensive as soon as someone accuses us of something or says something about us. But sometimes there's wisdom in being corrected. My kids hate when I tell them they have a messy room, but they have a messy room. I can show you pictures if you want. They don't like those words. They need to hear those words. And same in the same way, there might be words that come our way we don't like, but they help build us. I'll tell you as a pastor, some, uh, I once was told, Thomas, you preach like an angry preacher. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, hold on. There's that anger. Okay, maybe I got something I got to deal with. And I always told, Pastor, I don't know if I was challenged by what you said this week. Again, I was like, oh, these words, even though I didn't like them, if I learn to love discipline, I can gain knowledge and become a better preacher. And I hope I have. Actually, my wife, she's the one who's seen me since I was 23 years old, preaching for the first time on a regular basis up in Cloyne to some 15 years later now and still preaching. And she could tell you, she's told me that uh, I have improved in some of these areas. And I think that it required me to get over my own emotion from hearing things that I didn't like to hear. Good people obtain favor from the Lord and he condemns those who devise wicked schemes. No one can establish, can be established through wickedness but the righteous can be uprooted, cannot be uprooted, sorry. The righteous cannot be uprooted. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in the bones. The plans of the righteous are just, and the advice, listen to this, these are words as well, the advice of the wicked is deceitful. Guys, don't be just taking any, well, my friend down the road, Bob, he told me that this is the best thing for us to do, you know, to go and give our money to this person and blah, 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 blah. Listen to what you're saying. Listen to the words that are being spoken to you. Use discernment. Don't just believe anyone. The advice of the wicked is deceitful. The words, verse 6, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. You know how bad it is when you get a phone call and you're like, it's hard to trust people these days? I got a call from um, 
we are applying as a church for summer jobs positions. And they wanted to just make sure because we, we, we let them know we're going to take some kids potentially to the camp that Amy, Beth, and I lead for youth camp. And so it's an off-site visit. And so I got a call, and it was a private number. And I was like, uh-oh, here's one of those numbers. And then and the guy's like, no, trust me, I'm not a scammer. I need information off of you. And I was like, okay, well, you know, like you have to prove to me that you're not this wicked person trying to get information on using your words to connive because we all know many of us in this room have trusted people when we shouldn't have in those situations, especially on the phone when you can't see someone. Man, it is hard. The words of the wicked lion wait for blood, sometimes blood money. But the speech of the upright rescues them. The speech of the upright, we're willing to ask questions. We're willing to seek knowledge, seek information. We're willing to put our character, our good character out there saying, we want what's right to be done. Call things to account. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. A person is praised according to their prudence. You hear that? You want good words coming to you? That's praise. Praise is when good words come to you. You will be praised for your prudence. What did we learn a few weeks ago when we talked about prudence? Prudence is that ability to be patient and act in the right timing, not to be someone who just acts out of impulse, but uses wisdom and acts in the right timing. And one with warped minds is despised. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be a somebody and have no food. The righteous care for the needs of their animals, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. It's interesting there. It talks even how we treat our animals. I don't know if you guys have any pets or farm animals or stuff like that, but like... Some of these words, like the words from James where he's talking about steering a, uh, a horse with a bit in its mouth and all that. And, and this verse specifically here, verse 10 of chapter 12, someone once pointed out to me this chapter, uh, this verse 10 of chapter 12. And I was like, how do I even speak to my animals? Like our dogs go sniffing around everything, go eating anything they can find, get their get their, um, you know, mouths on. And sometimes we just, we just get angry at them. And you know what? Animals too, just need a little bit of love. They'll act a lot nicer towards you. You know, you ever watch that uh, show with the, the, the dog trainer, Caesar, what's his name? What's Caesar Milan. You know, he's like, you guys just need to, to be nice to your pets and love your pet and, and treat it like you're the boss and it's the pet. You know, and, and it's a beautiful show. But I think about a verse like this and how if we saw how people treated their, even their pets, maybe we'd recognize which ones of ours truly believe that they are God's creatures, right? Verse 11, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. There you go, farmers. The wicked desire the stronghold of evildoers, but the root of the righteous endures. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk. And so the innocent escape trouble. Um, there's, 
I don't know about you, but I pay attention to some of the themes within Christendom, especially North American Christendom. And for a season there, there was this idea among Christians that maybe if we talk a little bit like the world in terms of just our slang language and not worry so much about four-letter words and, and just let things go, maybe they'll like us a little bit more and they'll um, want to come into our church because we, we're not going to judge them about how much um, these uh, little words that we might call rude, maybe they're not too bad and people will want to be see that we're not just these prudes. Um, and what I've come to found is, find is that that has no effect, <laughs> that it doesn't work, that people don't think we're any better if we use words that are like the world. Actually, I think when the world uses those words and then we start using those words too, they're like, oh, I thought you were different. I guess you're just like us. Whereas what I would want is for them to say, hey, there's something different about this family. They speak differently. You know, and it's not just four-letter words. Maybe they speak to each other more kindly. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk, and so the innocent escape trouble. Let's be innocent to the ways of the world and the words of the world. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things. Interesting there. You're, you're filled with good things. How? By the fruit of your lips. Your lips, just like we were talking about last week with the seeds being sown, you actually sow your seeds with your lips. And you're filled with good things. And the work of their hands bring them reward. The way of fools seems right to them. And the wise listen to advice. I want that, I think that's an important verse there to underline. The wise listen to advice. You know what I hear foolish people saying? Well, I don't need any advice. I've never heard a wise person say, I don't need any advice. Actually, the more I learn, the more I realize that something like mentorship, where you go looking for good advice from someone who's been there and done that, more experienced than you, the more wisdom you can gain from that person, the more wisdom you obtain and the wiser you become. But I've heard many people say, I don't need advice. Maybe we need to check our hearts when that's going through our mind. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. I think at this point is when that phrase came into my mind, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The prudent overlook an insult. And now it's not saying sticks and stones will break my bones and words will never hurt me. But what we can do as people of discernment, of people who have wisdom, people of the Holy Spirit, we can do this thing. And I was trying to explain this to, this to someone this week, uh, that a phrase that Amy Beth and I have adopted. Now it's not scriptural either, and you'll have to discern this yourself. But we say, chew on the meat, spit out the bones. When someone gives us an insult, is there any truth to that insult? Sometimes someone will say something to me and it's like, well, like if my wife says, hey, well, no, I shouldn't throw Amy Beth under the bus. She doesn't, she doesn't call me stupid. But if she alludes to me not having very much smarts when I did something, oh, you weren't really thinking there, maybe she might say. Um, 
rather than just reacting to that, wait, is there something she's trying to point out to me that I need to pay attention to? Some truth in why she's saying this rather than just being reactionary. You know, whenever we hear any form of insult, our first reaction is to get defensive. You know, Amy Beth and I, a few years ago, um, before COVID even happened, we taught a, a communication seminar here downstairs. And one of the things we talk about is how you're, you, you can, um, when someone brings words to you, um, it'll put you in a defense mechanism, especially these insulting type of words. And you can either lash back at someone, and we would call that person a skunk, or you can hide from other people, and that would be a turtle. You guys remember me teaching this? Anyways, you're either a skunk or your turtle in your defense mechanism. And I'm a skunk. So if Amy Beth says something that hurts me a little bit, I get all nasty and stinky and I spray my perfume, nasty perfume all over the house. And just so everybody knows, I'm, a, I'm skunking right now. But if I say something that might hurt her, she's a turtle. She's like, where'd Amy Beth go? She's hiding. She's in the bedroom. She's downstairs doing laundry. She's avoiding me and we're avoiding each other. And so what we've learned, and this is, was a part of our communication seminar, was that in order to have a functional marriage and a good relationship, we need to um, come out of our defense mechanism and realize maybe we have insulted each other, but what is the truth that we are saying that is more important than the words that have hurt? And obviously, it's, as you grow in your marriage, you learn how to craft your words better to not hurt the opposite person. Hopefully, hopefully, that's a good marriage to not try to hurt the opposite person. But, um, but then you also learn how to put down your defense mechanisms. Oh, she's not trying to hurt me. She's just trying to help me. So for me, it's like put down my stinky, smelly tail and, and just be willing to not talk for a moment and listen. And for her, it's uh, stop hiding and pop your head out of your shell. And then we can have this ability to communicate. So the prudent, that's all about the prudent overlook and insult. We got to get past when people hurt us. There, you know, we read the uh, love passage a few weeks ago. One part of the love passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that I love is that love keeps no records of wrong. So if, if someone says something to me that insults me, I can't write that down and say, oh, she said this, and then come back at her. Well, you said that. No, I'm going to overlook the insult. An honest, verse 17, an honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Um, I don't think there's a circumstance where you can even tell white lies. I think we have to pay attention to the words that we're saying and, and be very careful. My kids are very careful with this. They're like, well, I didn't want someone to know something about me. And um, so should I lie or tell the, tr tell the truth? I'm like, always tell the truth. But if you don't want them to know something, sometimes it's okay to tell them you don't want them to know that too. Um, it, it's a, but it's a tricky game. But we need to make sure that our words are true. The words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of a wise brings healing. You ever been around someone that you just can't wait to share what's troubling you because they're going to bring words to you that are going to feel better, make you feel better? For me, I, I was a bit of a mama's boy. You know, if I had a rough encounter at school, I want to see my mom. She'd make me feel better with her words. Verse 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. See, eventually people do find out the, find out the lies. Deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. 
No harm overtakes the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in the people who are trustworthy. The prudent keep knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Remember I was saying how much trouble sometimes we get for just speaking too much, how easy it is. There it is right there, church. You know that if you speak less, it's not a bad thing. That's one thing as a pastor I'm learning to become more comfortable with is silence. I used to be the kind of person you sit down in a room with a bunch of people and nobody's saying something. I have to say something because it's too awkward. But I'm learning scriptures and the scriptures say, maybe that's not the case. Maybe there's comfort in silence. Maybe even in my prayer times with God, I can slow down and just remain in God's silence and, and no one needs to speak. Some of you people out here, are, I know, are, are you'd rather use less words when you're speaking. And I think there's some wisdom in that. And uh, thank you for putting up with your pastor who has many words. Um, but I think there's truth there that, that it's, it's okay to keep some knowledge to yourself and hold back those words. Verse 24. Diligent hands will rule, but the laziness ends in forced labor. 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but kind words cheer it up. There you go. There's an encouragement for those of you who struggle with anxiety, or maybe you have a family member who struggles with anxiety. Maybe one of the easiest things you can do to help someone who is struggling from anxi with anxiety is to just give them some cheerful words cheerful words. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I think those um, verses, some of these verses can be tied into that one. Who, who is speaking into your life? Who are you surrounding as your friends? Whose words do you value and are, are you're weighing the most? And whose words should you probably just let them go in one ear, out the other, right? Choose your friends carefully. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. In the way of righteous... In the way of righteousness, there is life. Along the path is immortality. It's interesting that it ends with that. This chapter ends in that verse. In the way of righteousness, there is life. Along that, that path is immortality. I, I'll even suggest this, that um, if you want immortality, if you want to live forever, your words matter. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it says, how, how must we be saved? And it tells us that we need to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess with our mouths. Believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ, there's a confession element. There's a part where we speak it out and that is our salvation. That is our immortality. So now tell me words don't matter. No, words matter. However, when the enemy comes and accuses you and throw words at you. I'll tell you one story as I close my sermon. I was in Bible college and I remember talking to one of my friends growing up and I knew it was time that I stopped being this guy's friend. Why? Because he told me after I had felt 
and heard the word of God that I believe I should be a pastor, and other people had spoken into me and encouraged me and said, Thomas, you should go and pursue being a pastor. He told me, you're going to be a terrible pastor. I was like, wow. I've never heard the devil so clearly through a friend. Now, what I could have done is allow that to damage me and go in the wrong direction. What I could have done is just ignored it, but clearly I haven't ignored it. I, that was in Bible college, and that was, uh, so I'm about to turn 38, and that was 18 when I entered into Bible college. So that was some 20 years ago that, that those words were spoken over me, and I remember them. So this is what I'm trying to teach a church, is that the words do stick, but it's what we do with them. And I've allowed those words to motivate me. And actually, I would say I'm not a great church builder. I've always had a congregation of about 50 people, and I'm pretty happy pastoring 50 people. But you know what? Out of those 50 people that I've always past pastored, no one's ever said to me I'm a bad pastor. You know, they like the personal connection. Like, there's, there's a difference between being an evangelist, being, growing a church, being a good church leader. Sure, okay. Maybe some people feel called to do that. But I remember when the Lord called me, he called me to be a pastor, which means to shepherd people, which means to come alongside people and encourage them with my words. And I think that that's something that God has gifted me with is the ability to come along and encourage people with my words. So that's just an example of my life where those words came to me and I had a choice. Am I going to let them knock me down or am I going to allow them to actually recognize they come from the enemy and I can actually turn them on. I can turn it on itself and allow them to be my encouragement, my motivation to keep moving forward, to listen to the words that the Lord has spoken over me where he told me I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to bless people. And maybe in your life, there's been something like that. You can remember a word that was spoken over you as a child or maybe a teenager or maybe even from your spouse or an old, older person in your life. Maybe you were an adult. Maybe it was even just this past week. I don't know. And you have a choice. Do I want to keep listening to this word or do I want to get rid of this word and submit this word, these words to the Lord and allow to hear what the Lord has to say about me? We're going to close in a song. But I encourage you, if you need the Lord to break a curse off of you of words and you need to deal with some of these words that have been spoken over you, come forward, um, kneel at the altar and allow the Lord to just soak over you and break those words, those curses off of you and allow his word to speak over you. I'm going to pray for this and uh, the altar is open for you to come and use it. But I just believe that the Lord might want to do some work here today. Father, we thank you that we can come to you and that your words matter more. We give you permission here today to break off the words that the enemy has spoken over us. And maybe the enemy came from someone who we loved and we trusted, but they spoke something that was very hurtful and insulting, and we believed the lies. Would you break that curse off of us? Would you allow your blessing to flow over us? And Lord, I pray that today someone would hear something that comes from you that would build them up and encourage them and bring them life and set them free. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.